www.cliffcentral.com. Welcome to the Fashion Lab show again. My name is Liz Ogumba Regisford, and on today's show, we're going to be talking around a subject matter of the organic or what you would call a natural um, cosmetic industry. Now, we know um, about products. We know that we want to all go organic. We all want to go natural in everything that's actually going into our bodies because organic is kind of like the new black. But I just want to go straight into um, the show. I mean, now, according to Paula'sChoice.com, organic and natural have been typical terms you find on everything from moisturizers to mascara. And you might be surprised to find out that there are actually no industry standards or regulations for these terms. And there's obviously a lot of plenty, plenty of natural and organic ingredients that are also not good for your skin. Nevertheless, consumers are still easily seduced by this deep-rooted marketing trend. We obviously understand how appealing natural and organic ingredients sound, but the, the reality is actually that these terms could also be meaningless on a cosmetic level. Now, we have to pay attention, obviously, to the labeling depending on the different bodies within different countries. Now, the labeling guidelines obviously vary based on wherever you are, you know, whether it's a country or continent. Now, I'm going to give you some of the basic um, guidelines when it comes to labeling by the USDA um, of organic products. You've got, for example, you're 100% organic. And this product basically means it must contain, excluding water and salt, only organically produced ingredients. Then you've got your 100 I mean, your organic. Now, the organic is the product that actually contains 95% organically produced ingredients, again, excluding water and salt. Then you've got your made with organic ingredients. And now this is the product that must contain at least 70% organic ingredients. And the label can list up to three of the organic ingredients or food groups on the principal display panel. Now, that is just according to the USDA organic seal. Um, there's so many different um, sort of uh, labeling when it comes to these products. And I think that the reason I'm having this conversation today is because cosmetics really play a big role and go hand in hand when it comes to our look, our feel. And so even when we sit here and dissect the business behind fashion and talk about all of these different fashion brands, I feel like cosmetics definitely has to be something that we talk about. Now, my top three tips I want to give away today is how to go green on your cosmetics or how to green up your cosmetics. And I say this because um, the seal sometimes may not be enough, but when you go deep into your way, you know, DIY, this is what I do at home. And these are my top three tips. And I don't do this every day, but I do it on some days and it, I think it works. So I've got aloe vera growing in the back of my garden. And I think that one of the really cool things is just how I'm able to use my aloe vera, pull it from the back of the garden, break it up and just kind of smear it on my face and in like 15 minutes, wash it out. It's very refreshing. And honestly, I can't say, oh, I bought this from whoever and guess what it did to my skin? Because really it's a plant. I mean, I mean, if I want to have beef with it, then I'm going to take it outside to the garden. Now, the second Second thing I normally use that's really natural, 100%, 100%, is tea tree oil with a mix, and I mix it up a bit with coconut oil, and I use it before I go to bed, and it's just got this beautiful feel. When I wake up in the morning, I feel like, wow, I feel like I just had a facial. So tea tree oil and coconut oil are also natural oils. You can't, again, say, oh, well, this product or this brand put this in, and guess what happened to my face? And I think everything is about just also finding a balance so that whatever it is you're using on your skin 
is just to some balance. And of course, also they say tea tree can be very harsh on the skin. So the the fact that you're mixing it, either if you mix it with water or you mix it with coconut oil or you mix it with vitamin E oil, whatever it is, that's one of my, that's my second top uh, top tip. My last top tip is a tip I learned from our glam up squad, squad girl, Morag Stein. And it is a mix of bicarbonate soda and coconut oil again. Coconut oil just doesn't seem to go anywhere, huh? So I mix the bicarbonate soda with some coconut oil, make a little paste, put it on my skin, leave it on for about 10, 15 minutes. I always go 15 minutes beyond what they say anyway. Wash it out and I just feel so fresh. And I feel like sometimes when you're starting to form something or, you know, you might have gone in for a shoot and had some sort of makeup, uh, you know, and all of these different brushes and things running on your face. I feel like um, that is definitely one of my tricks. So those are my top three tips of how to actually go 100% so that you don't have to actually find out what was put and what else was added in because really this is you and your product and yourself. So keep it locked. Um, we are talking today about the natural slash organic um, cosmetic industry. And um, before I continue to introduce our guests on the show, we are joined on the show by Morag Stein, who will be glamming up the show with her glam up for a dose of makeup and beauty tips. Welcome to the show, Morag. We also joined on the show by Ayandan Lapo, who will be bringing us the fashion alert with a dose of African fashion news from across not just the continent, but the diaspora, because we care about what's going on uh, around. Um, welcome to the show, Ayanda. And then obviously, last but not least, we have our New York contributor, Edgy Benson, who will also be joining us with Echoes from New York later on the show. Now, just a quick reminder, uh, we've got my favorite segment coming up at the end of the show called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? So please feel free to share your who's and your why's because that is what we call our after-party segment. That's when we unwind, take out, throw our heels off and just chill. Now, keep your tweets coming. We're at Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. Share with us some of your favorite um, tips or favorite natural um, cosmetic brands, organic cosmetic brands, handmade cosmetic brands. I know one of my favorite is Lash, besides the other products I'll be introducing onto the show today. Um, now, I want to move straight into our guest uh, on the show today. We're going to be talking to her and sharing insights around the natural organic cosmetic industry with this amazing cosmetic industry entrepreneur. She is the founder of Malay, um, which is a healthy luxury fragrance and body care range created in South Africa in 2010, inspiring the beauty and wealth of breathtaking landscapes, wildlife, culture, and Africa, and everything about Africa. Now, Malay's mission is to take us on a journey of discovery through our African universe with its powerful sense, charm, and power found in every single product. They definitely say these are the products designed to awaken your senses and to offer you a unique uh, home spa experience. The name is Malay of this brand, and the name it's named after is Zeze, Oraiki Sao's great-grandmother, uh, she says Malay is a term of affection for a strong learned woman in her native language, Bini, as an expression of beauty. And Zeza, congratulations on six years of building and placing a beautiful, <laughs> refreshing, healthy, luxury fragrance uh, in, into, the, into the global map. We love it when we can see brands, um, you know, just coming from planting the little seed in the continent and then just exploding and exploding and exploding. Just, just, it's like an explosion. So, congratu congratulations again. 
humble beginnings. Humble yes, beginnings. So thank you. It's beautiful. Now, I want us to talk and unpack natural science before we go further into the Malay brand. What is okay. it about the natural science? Why does it link with Malay? Tell us a bit about about natural science. Um, I, I think um, for me with, uh, I guess, the inspiration behind Malay and, and, and why natural science, um, it was born from just asking the question around, you know, what, what have we done as Africans for centuries um, and, and almost playing to the ideal um, that, um, you know, most people say, you know, black skin don't crack. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and trying to explore what that means um, and I, sort of spending a bit of time traveling through the rest of Africa. One of the things that I came across um, consistently was every sort of tribe or culture had a clear, had a clear sort of, I want to say beauty remedy or potion or lotion um, that was created by whether it's a healer or, or, or someone within the community that was clearly talented to make these topical creams. Um, and through that process, I think, you know, if you, if you think back, you know, 100, 200 years ago or even before that when, when some of these were, were sort of formulated, you know, the, the, the people in the villages weren't thinking they were formulations. You know, the, the, this had just been, I guess, recipes passed down from one person to the other um, without the understanding of the part that science plays in that. Um, and for a very long time, I think the, the cosmetic industry or the beauty industry shunned the idea of something natural or, I guess, Mother Nature given had as much power in it um, as something that was man-made in the lab. Um, and so I, I, I sort of explored the idea further and, and, and took some of those lotions and potions and asked a lot of questions um, and, and realized that, you know, within those formulas were some very powerful ingredients um, and all of those ingredients were natural um, and sort of took them to a lab and said, so in this combination, what is this thing meant to do or what should it do? Um, and realized that there was a ton of power in those sort of natural concoctions. Um, and all I did or, or, or all Malay has done has sort of taken inspiration from that um, and added an, a, a different element of science that means, you know, it's, it will last longer. Um, it's the right balance in terms of the quantity and quality of ingredient going into our products. Um, so, so that they, hence, sit. hence the natural science already. Cut exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now I want to say, you know, before we go further, I want to pick your minds as around the notion of a hundred percent organic, organic, natural, natural, a hundred. I've never seen anyone put 60% natural or organic on their products, obviously, uh, because we know why. But now I feel these identities have been abused and many cosmetic companies will do anything to put their stamp on a product and say, look, this is, uh, whatever they put it as organic, uh, natural, and then you go home and you kind of get a shock. Um, and I feel like obviously the idea is everyone's trying to get better. Everyone's trying to, um, expand. Um, I think that with, uh, cosmetic products, people are trying to really expand and really reach out the con- to the consumer who's really thinking or feeling like uh, natural is the new black or organic is the new black. So 
What I want to ask you on the flip side, because I know also that with Malay, you guys actually produce, um, your products contain selected natural active ingredients such as shea butter, cacao seed, butter, avocado oil, which are also used in the same natural ancient way that we deal was done in the past. Yeah. Now tell me, because of the ingredients that you use in the Malay products, can we safely say that you're organic or natural? And how do you... How do you even describe, I mean, I'm sure you understand when I say how many products are sitting on the shelf saying 100% organic or just organic or natural. How do you categorize Malay and what is your take? Um, Because I also want to just pick your mind and get your insight on what's really going on in the cosmetic industry and why those who still have popcorn are also trying to get into the whole (laughs) I am organic or this is organic, you know, let's talk about that. Um, I think, you know, this is definitely an industry-wide uh, um, debate, um, which is the natural versus organic versus man-made. Um, I think to address the state of the industry as it stands, um, you know, Malay is now in a new country, so we've left Africa, you know, we're in Africa, we've now grown to Europe, Um And with the experience that I've had, I think one of the biggest drivers, um, you know, we're looking at the U.S. next and the UAE, is the state of the industry is there is no consistent level of regulation in terms of what brands or companies can claim on their product. Um, So what that means is essentially country by country or or, you know, everyone has a different threshold for what you can what you can say is natural or what you can say is organic. Or, you know, if, if you use the word in a specific way, then it's not inferring that that's what it really is, um, which can be sometimes misleading for the consumer. Um, and I think one of my biggest drivers to sort of Malay or how we label or, or what we do with our products was really trying to be as transparent as I possibly could with the consumer. So highlighting what is actually in each product so that they know what is actually going to do something for them um, and almost giving them a crib sheet to that ingredient listing. So like you said, you know, you buy something and it says natural, um, you flip the package and you look at everything else that's in the beginning of that ingredient listing, which is at the highest quantities, which is what's supposed to do something for you. And none of those are ingredients that are of natural origin, um, which then begs the question, but this is misleading for a consumer. Um, and I think, On that basis, in terms of claims, each country varies, um, some less regulated than others. Um, So there are, you know, then you end up with a gray area with brands who have the ability to make claims and there is no recourse to that, which is unfortunate because I think the consumer deserves a lot more um, or the end end product user, you know, deserves you know, a, a clear opportunity to make a choice in their purchasing decisions with picking up a product. Um, with Malay, I think, you know, I have a very, I, I'm not, I'm not a um, black on white where it comes to man-made versus natural ingredients. And I'll tell you why. Mm. The main reason for that is because there are some absolutely amazing man-made ingredients that go into products that not only make them work better, but also give them a better shelf life. Um, and there are some ingredients that have some benefits. 
Now, where I stand quite firmly on is ingredients that don't have any benefits whatsoever, but because of the cost factor in making a product, it's the easier option. So our choice to use natural active ingredients, and the key word here being active, being that these are actually ingredients that are going to do something for you in that product, is purely from a principled perspective, having been a consumer who's picked up a product and have thought it has and has thought it was something but ended up being something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and also wanting to have a product that actually does something for me. Um, so, you know, in, in, in different regions or different countries, you can claim, you know, um, you can highlight one ingredient, right? So the magical vitamin E cream, mm-hmm. um, for instance, um, but you can pick up that vitamin E cream um, and read the ingredients. And the only thing that contains any element of vitamin E is right at the bottom of the list. So I don't know if your readers or your list, sorry, your listeners understand sort of how an ingredient list works. Um, essentially, when you pick up a product, what you need to be looking for is what is closest to the top of that list because that's an indication of what the majority of this product is made of. Hmm. So top of the list is the most most ingredient in there. Bottom of the least list is the thing with the least ingredient. Now, I try and educate through Malay just what different ingredients actually do for you um, in different formulations, depending on how, where they are placed within that formula. In, an ingredient can have multiple uses. But what, what I think what your consumer or what your listener needs to understand is if you pick up a product that says natural and the first six six things in that listing are not of natural origin you know then there's a question mark into what you're buying or if you've bought that magical cream that doesn't have you know that magical ingredient in the first three then it's not magical anymore yeah but <laughs> you know Zaza, what i want to also say is it's very good to know um and to have um brands like you who are also making sure that while you build the brand, uh, you're actually educating your consumers as well. However, I still think that the responsibility is not just with the brands. And that's why I feel like when you live in a time like this, where Google has literally almost everything, I think it's also responsibility of the consumer to actually go up and see what am I actually eating for my, for my body? I mean, what's my body eating? Because I can't just sit here and say, I'm going to go buy uh, Malay product and then be complaining about an each or complaining about it's not doing what it says it should do when I don't even know what's in the product. So I think, I think it's also about being, um, taking responsibility because I think we also get so caught up in, oh, well, it says this, oh, it says that. And I think that people just need to get a bit more smarter when it comes to consuming. And I'll give you an example as well for our listeners who are listening to is I'm not the most, I'm not the uh, cosmetic guru. I don't even, I'm like one of those people who just don't know what's happening. You have to tell me, Liz, go try the lash. Oh, wow. I found lash. I like it. Or go try Malay or go try whatever. And obviously when I purchase the product, I also spend time because I care about everything that I consume. And I think one of the things I find is really cool that I do is I go out and buy shea butter. I go out and buy vitamin E oil. I go out. I literally go out and buy things that I can try on my own separately as well. Because at the end of the day, if I have a product and if I know what is good for my skin, 
like Paolo's, Paolo's choice says, you know, what's organic or what's natural is not necessarily good for yeah. you. And I love that you also say that man-made is not a bad thing, you know, because yeah. it may have value for your skin. So I love where we're going with this, um, Zeze, but I want to go back and touch a bit on your process, your, when it comes to your production, uh, where are you, pro- where, where do you make this stuff? Where is Mali, um, born? Or where so, is it um, produced? Um, to be precise, uh, Malay was born on my bed in Parkhurst in Johannesburg. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about coming to pack bags and coming to help someone pack bags. Was I not there or what? <laughs> you, you were there from the beginning. Um, it was crazy when you when you reached out to me um, and said, you know, would I like to come on and talk about this? Um, and the initial flashback I had was having to do um, a, a gifting um, sort of giveaway thing and we were in my house packing those bags <laughs> and you know I'm currently sitting in London and it's a beautiful summer's day um, and just before the call the only the first thing that came to mind was you know um, nothing happens overnight and you know this is such a humbling moment for me um, you know to be here speaking to you on the radio talking about something I started essentially, you know, seven years ago. Um, and still to be um, blessed and opportune to still be doing that is incredible. It is incredible. Um, it is incredible indeed. Uh, I, I do want to touch on something you spoke about, about consumer culture and how they purchase products, because I think that's really important. Um, um, I do feel that there is a certain responsibility for brands to be able to educate their customer. And I'll tell you why. I think outside of sort of traditional methods um, where it's word of mouth or there's some trusted person who has had proven results that's in the position to, let's say, administer or we moved away from the apothecary style um, sort of prescriptive based sort of beauty buying or product buying basis. We went into a huge culture where it was all about the marketing. So the brand who had the best advert and the cutest girl um, or who could you know, have the biggest budgets to have the ads and the billboards and the radio um, adverts sort of were winning consumers' hearts. So in that case, the consumer didn't have a place to ask questions. If anything, they were being sold to and almost having time stolen from them and their attention captured by brands that necessarily didn't feel the need to have any responsibility to say to the consumer, but wait, this beautiful advert has a product that smells Nice, okay, but it's not going to do anything for you. Mm. And I think, you know, the industry has moved along um, to a place where I think the consumer is just demanding more. And like you, you know, they're going out and trying out their own formulations and seeing what they come up with. But I think it's very important that, you know, as brands, we're able to, in, in essence, be a pillar. You know, I, I always have, when I started Malay, one of the big things was thought leadership, being able to dispel a lot of myths within the industry. Mm. Because, you know, on my bed, as I was sitting there in Farkas, one of the biggest things that came to mind is, but hold on a minute, a lot of these products and things were born here in Africa. Mm. Why are we sort of foregoing, I guess, traditionally what has worked for centuries to buy sort of inferior sort of European brands that aren't even formulated for our climate, our skin type, 
um, or even just our general daily well-being. Mm. Um, and that was one of the inspirations. Um, and also finding that I felt like we didn't have, as a continent, we didn't have a, a voice within the beauty industry. So, you know, there was the whole Asian fusion and there was all these sort of Asian-inspired brands. You have brands from Europe who would sell you sort of the experience of Paris. Um, you have brands from North America, South America. But there was nothing sort of on a premium luxury level that sort of took you on a journey through Africa. And I felt like there was something to be shared because there's so much beauty and wealth in, I guess, the beginnings of what the beauty industry is like. You know, you go to northern northern Namibia and there are these absolutely beautiful women who have found a way of taking orchi, spices, you know, um, and as as most people might not want to think about it, but, you know, buttermilk from, you know, a goat or something, and have come up with these beautiful formulas that almost are sun protection as well as ornaments of beauty for them within their communities. Um, and to be able to take someone from, you know, you're sitting at your desk, but you could be in that moment from using one of our products, it could be 5 a.m. and you're going out on a game drive and it's the most amazing feeling of invigoration where you've got the green leaves the earth is still moist and you're just about to meet nature in its in its purest form um and i felt like those stories and 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 those sort of experiences were things that i wanted to be able to bottle and share um alongside you know my very um i guess ethical views around you know not including ingredients that don't do anything for you, um, have no benefits. And sometimes, you know, with some studies have proven to be contradictory. Um, also having um, ingredients in there that aren't from animals um, because there is no value to animal testing. There is no value really to using animal uh, originated ingredients. Um, and also something that filled a void, I felt, um, that gave a voice um, and through that, I was able to, you know, economically empower, you know, a lot of people, whether it's, you know, the charitable functions that I support or it's the um, it's the jobs that are created, whether it's people I, I hire directly myself or people who work at the manufacturing facilities um, that we work with or even the suppliers, you know, I'm very commi- <clears throat> I'm very committed to working with suppliers who are conscious of the fact that, you know, this is Africa, we are manufacturing in Africa and there are people, unemployment is an issue. Mm. Um, so suppliers who hire within their communities who are able to train the staff, who are able to improve people's skill sets, give them a better chance at life, education. I think, you know, yes, I might, you know, the end product might be a hand cream, um, but I think the considered, the, the considered, the considered path to getting there, and I think, you know, you were there from the beginning, and, you know, I think when I first started, it sounded like really, really, really large dreams that, that I would one achieve with one hand cream. But I think each, each and every product, honestly, is is lovingly made and created to, to speak to the true African journey or our heritage as Africans. And everyone who has been in contact with the product before it's an end product has really benefited from that journey. Mm. 
I love what you're doing again. Um, so congratulations to that. I want to move to uh, the business behind the cosmetic industry, and that's why that's what I really want to touch on. Now, you guys were based here. Um, I know you had a space at the Hyde Park. Um, yes. Now, I want to find out from you, again, because of the fact that sometimes um, we may, I don't know what it is about Africa, uh, but sometimes I feel like either we have um, certain um, sort of, it depends. Things in abundance. It could be just raw materials. It could be uh, the fact that you're so used to seeing cows that you no longer eat beef. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's it's like you've got so much of shea butter that you don't even use it, but it should be what you're using, but you're busy buying Lancome. So what I'm trying to find out from you, because you've been able to trade here, um, you're now in the global um, marketplace. What is the difference when it comes to your sales? Have your sales... um increased do you have more of a sort of consumer base um from the continent um or do you have a bigger consumer base from the european and the rest of the other markets within the globe what what's looking what's what's happening to the sales what's happening to the interest from a consumer perspective um i i think um in 2010 when i first launched malay um what was clear was perhaps I arrived and I was, I was, I guess, singing a song that very few people um, understood um, and could follow on. Um, fast forward six, seven years later, and there's tons of brands now that are coming out of Africa, which I think is amazing. Um, I think as a business, um, you know, evolution is, is, is the biggest part of a success to a business. Um, when I started Malay, um, I didn't have a lot of money. Um, I didn't even have a marketing or PR budget. Um, I just had enough money to make the actual product. Um, I found myself, you know, in a very B2B environment. So selling to hotels. So you'll find our products in some of the five-star hotels, um, within sub-Saharan Africa. Um, we had amazing opportunities from the likes of Singita, um, the full, Forum, who are sort of early supporters. And these are sort of big players in the luxury um, hospitality space. Um, and then people would stay at these properties. And consistently, even till today, there are products that are direct to the hotel industry or hospitality industry um, who, you know, we don't retail. And, you know, on a daily basis, we get an email saying, you know, where can we get this? Where can we get this? Um, so the decision to go into our own standalone concept store um, was very much about having the opportunity to give people who wanted to interact with the product a place to, to purchase that product. Um, the journey into direct retail for me was a learning process. I, I didn't have any experience with being a, a sort of retailer. Um, so to speak, you know, coming from a B2B environment, I loved having a store and creating stories in our window um, and, you know, everything that came with it, meeting our customer face to face. But what that meant was I was doing very little work because I was busy meeting lots of people um, and I wasn't growing Malay into the sort of global brand that I wanted it to be. It was a fantastic experience having the store for two years. I got to personally know our consumers. You would hear, you know, stories of how people have used the products in their lives, how it's changed 
you know, their experiences, um, you know, when they've gone and tried something else and realized that, you know, this was much better value and the experience and the customer service was something that I was really passionate about. We used only sort of African materials within the store. And there was a part of me that wanted to prove that end to end, it is possible to create a luxury African brand that can punch its weight in a mall like Hyde Park in Johannesburg, alongside, I guess, the big players in the luxury in the luxury space. Um, and I'm very proud of what we were able to achieve within Hyde Park because, you know, you'd have people walk in and emphatically say to a friend, oh, you know, this brand, it's from overseas. And it's, you know, mm. and, and I think the perception was lots of people sort of branded us from somewhere else but Africa. And it was always refreshing to be able to say, but we are a local South African brand, you know, mm. born and bred here. Um, created off my bed in Parkhurst. Yeah. And everything you see here is locally made with local suppliers. Um, it wasn't easy, no. Was it impossible? No. And I think, you know, in some ways the idea was to inspire more local brands, even from a quality perspective or even just what the benchmark is of success. Um, I remember starting and a lot of people saying to me, um, you know, they felt like, oh, the market was saturated. Who wanted to hear anything about an African brand? Um, seven years later, look who's talking now, you know. Luke, like who's talking now? <laughs> Zeze, I know we could sit here and go on and on and actually even maybe get into a glass of wine. But I want to <laughs> I want to put that on pause, not on stop, because we can continue this yeah. offline. But I'm really yeah. proud of what you've done and the fact that, like Thank I said, so I saw the little things from the back. We put them in the bags <laughs> and then I saw the Hyde Park for two years. And then I yeah. saw you just flying and like a butterfly. Yeah. You've just evolved and... uh I think it's a beautiful product. Before we go, I just want to hear one little line from you. Where do you expect or where do you see the African cosmetic industry headed to? I, I think there's a lot of opportunity um, for um, entrepreneurs within Africa. Um, I think the global uh, marketplace, having now sort of spent the last two years dancing around in it, um, is definitely open to the idea of newness and especially new experiences, stories, quality ingredients coming from um, Africa. I think the challenge we've had is not being able to um, consolidate what our value is over time. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, for the early people like myself or other sort of successful brands that are sharing an African heritage, um, inspire and open the doors for many more um, people who who believe in the talent and quality of, I guess, producing within Africa and and, and can do that on a global on a, on a global platform. Wow, Zaza, thank you so much for joining us. Um, how can our listeners connect with you? Social media, website, anything? Totally. Um, you can find us on www.maleonline.com. So that's M-A-L-E-E online.com. Um, and on social media, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, at maleonline.com. Um, we've got an amazing YouTube channel where we share tips, tricks. Um, you get to watch a little bit more about the journey. So at Malay Online. 
Wow, guys, that is Zeze Oraiki Sao, who we are, have been jamming with in studio. <laughs> She's the founder of Malay, which is a healthy luxury fragrance and body care range created in South Africa in 2010. And she's really like gone beyond borders. I'm not even playing. Well, keep it locked. This is the Fashion Lab. We hold it down here every Thursday, 1 to 2 Central Africa time. And we will be right back after the break. Cliffcentral.com. We're back after this uh, interesting conversation with Zeze Oraiki Sao, um, who is the founder of Malay. Um, and this is a beautiful, um, refreshing luxury and body care product in the global map. Now, I just want to roll over to um, Ed- Echoes from New York with Edgy Benson. Edgy is our contributor from New York. He runs um, a new New York fashion services company based in New York, sourcing services to big fashion designers and major fashion houses. Edgy, welcome to the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> and welcome you are too. <laughs> um, so, Edgy, I just want us to go straight into um, this interesting conversation just to also pick your mind and insights on around this topic. We've been speaking to Zeze um, of Malay, the founder of Malay, uh, who's also just shared her insight and just a bit about their brand and what um, they're doing. And uh, I want to know from you, I mean, especially around the notion of organic, natural, 100%. You know, like I said, the joke was I've never seen a product that says 50% organic or 50% or 45.6% natural. But obviously, organic is the new black. And I feel like everyone's trying to get a piece of it, even when they know they are not organic or natural or what's organic or even natural. Anyway, I just want to pick your mind. Talk to me. Uh, the, the organic industry is actually very well defined and is very well regulated. So uh, for the U.S., if you say you're organic, you are really organic. You have to be. And I think we have to understand that this is all driven by consumer, consumer trends in the market. Right now, the, the, the consumer sensibility is towards the environment, and that's what's p- pushing the fashion discourse also in terms of fabrications that we're using, in terms of the dyes that we are using to make sure that the dyes are organic. And it's not just that the dyes are organic, that they are disposed of in a very environmentally friendly way. So this trend is actually very broad and it's affecting uh, cosmetics and beauty too. You know, makeup and beauty are just uh, affected by these consumer trends just as, as fashion is. Um, so... I think it's really just the, the trajectory of the world. Every, everything is headed towards uh, taking care of the environment and and fashion and beauty are, are just following these cues. Hmm. So what is your take? Do you think that, um, you know, do you feel like consumers are actually moving that way because a brand actually forcefully, and I say this because, you know, everything is governed by different bodies. Um, the USA, um, I mean, in the U.S., obviously, there's a different body compared to what we have in Africa, which I couldn't even find before uh, this conversation today. I was just trying to read up as well to understand what or how do people actually categorize um, these products or label them um, and get away with murder. And they do. So obviously, like when you look at the USDA um, guidelines, they're very clean and black and white. But that's yes. not that's not the world. The world is so huge. And uh the products come from everywhere and anywhere. So um, it's just interesting to um, have had this conversation and also to pick the mind of people who are actually in the business and uh, also to just pick it from 
a fashion perspective with Echoes from New York? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, I think it's just the movement of the world. You know, that, that's it. If in Africa, we may not be very strong in that area. And in the U.S., of course, it's, the verification process is still going to be very hard. But the trajectory is just in that direction. And that doesn't mean that non-organics are any less, but it's just the organic trend, the natural, uh, the trend towards natural products. It's very strong. And, you know, it's a trend that people love because they mm. feel like they feel personally like by buying a, a natural product, they're taking care of the environment or playing a part mm. in looking after the environment. Mm. So I think it's just it, a mind thing. Um, but it's got great sweep. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, um, um, Edgy. I'm going to roll over to Morag Stein, who is our internationally accredited beauty consultant and makeup artist coming to us live and direct with her Glam Up. Welcome to the show, Morag. Welcome to another session of Glam Up. You've got the power for the lipstick color of the week. It is from the Lush range of cosmetics. And for those that don't know, Lush strives on the fact that they are 100% fresh, organic, vegan, and they're hugely against animal testing. I would describe the color as a golden red orange. It is a liquid lipstick that is applied with a wand, similar to, um, you know, how a lip gloss is added. It's long lasting. So ladies, no reapplying after lunch. Yes, I have actually tested it. It's amazing. And it doesn't dry your lip, neither does it crumb. And this is because it has a rose wax um, base and yojoba oil. The packaging is 100% recyclable besides the actual application wand. I love the fact that it has no preservatives in. Underneath the lipstick container, it actually has the date when it was made and when it expires and who made it. I mean, how amazing. Let's get right into it. Organic makeup. The words natural and organic have become typical terms you find on everything from moisturizers right through to mascaras. You might be surprised that there are no industry standards or regulations for these terms and that there are plenty of organic and natural ingredients that are not good for your skin. Nevertheless, many consumers are seduced by this deep-rooted marketing trend. I understand the appeal the appeal to, you know, natural and organic ingredients. I mean, I'm the queen of that. I love home DIYs and using natural product. The reality is, though, that these terms are meaningless unless you know what you're looking for. Let's see how to check a label. 100% organic means that the product must contain only organically produced ingredients. When a label says organic, the product must contain at least 95% organically produced ingredients and made with organic ingredients. The product must contain 70% organic ingredients and the label can list up to three organic ingredients or food groups. I often get asked this and, you know, it's, it's something that is in articles and while I was doing my research, um, you know, a lot of questions come about, um, can pesticides get into your skin? Some companies claim that other products that do not include organically grown plants contain pesticides and that they can be absorbed into your skin. Through all the research that I've done, this is not true and a complete fabrication and distortion of the facts. 
After a plant is harvested, no pesticides remain, not even a trace. The sterilization process that the plants go through is so specific that there will not be a trace of any pesticides, and no, they cannot be absorbed by your skin. Just remember, if a product contains water, it needs to be preserved. The trick is to know your preservation ingredients and that they are naturally derived. So some examples are like your zinc, PCAs, sodium acetate or glucose. Remember that going natural doesn't mean that you have to lose the edge of science. Natural products have evolved and it's no, it's no longer about, you know, walking into your back garden and rubbing some clay on your face. Um, these are all recipes and, you know, um, ingredients are based on clinical research and the potent natural remedies from thousands of years ago. The bottom line is, if we think of a stamp of approval for a free-range, organically-fed cow, this does not tell you the actual diet of the steak that you're eating. It might affect your arteries, your heart, or your brain. The same goes for skincare. Is organic better? Well, you know what, there's no actual research published anywhere providing organic ingredients are more superior than non-organic. There are good and bad ingredients in both categories. Many organic products include synthetic ingredients. The biggest problem is that organic products in their purest, purest form, if used incorrectly or applied to your skin directly, um, you know, after your pores have been opened and there's no makeup on and exposed to the sun. It can actually be very harmful to your skin. It can break down collagen. It can stunt the skin's ability to heal and cause some pigmentation. Ladies, we know that makeup is an essential beauty item used by most women and females are not in a hurry to ditch this daily necessity. I know I'm definitely not. (laughs) While choosing to wear makeup to enhance your beauty, it also exposes us to health concerns. I'm no professor to stand by claims that some ingredients might be linked to cancer, but I can go through the reasons why I would recommend using organic products. Eco-friendly beauty products utilize petroleum-based ingredients and rely on a whole lot of other chemicals to complete the process. These ingredients require extensive mining and most of this is done in the world's treasured areas like the Amazon rainforests. No harsh chemicals. Beauty products can often often be harsh on the skin. You know, um, they can promote allergic reactions. Um, and ingredients can actually be poisonous, which affect our endocrine system. Natural fragrances. Be- because we shop with our noses, I mean, it's so true. We, you know, sniff, sniff, sniff. Um, when it comes to personal care, the scents are what define us. But be careful, man-made aromas can expose the body to toxic um, effects. Essential oils are perhaps one of the best natural perfumes. And remember that a small dab actually goes a long way. Nutrient-rich. Well, this is self-explanatory. Like I always say, if you can't eat it, it's probably not very good for your skin. Because your skin absorbs everything, be aware of what you apply. Protection from premature aging. Um, Makeup made with natural ingredients generally provides a certain amount of SPF. That's why it's good to choose mineral and herbal ingredients such as titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, um, or even iron oxide. 
gentle on your skin, it's obvious. Beauty comes from a glowing skin, and this comes from the inside. What you eat exposes you to to your physical appearance and your skin's condition. When it comes to food and makeup, it's always best to choose it organic. Remember, it doesn't help you have a processed burger and a glass of water. It's all about serenity. Beauty comes within and it starts with you. That's all from Glam Up today. You can follow me on social media platforms at Moragstein. That's M-O-R-A-G-S-T-E-Y-N. I will be uploading some organic products um, that I love and that what, you know, what I use, as well as everything that we've spoken about today. Have a wonderful day, ladies. Lots of love. Thank you. Thank you, Morag. That was a beautiful, um, that's very interesting you say that. But anyway, I want us to not take any more time and I want to just to move to straight to our, my favorite segment of the show called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? And, uh, Edgy, I'm going to start with you today. And you cannot today say anybody that you've ever said before. So, Edgy, who would you want to dress and why? Today, I'm going to be really vain. I'm going to dress me. <laughs> well, you get away with that because you've never dressed you. You've never wanted to dress you. And why? Why is that so? Well, I've been looking for a particular cut of a suit and I found it and I think that's that's what I want to dress myself in, in a Jay Lindenberg uh, um, European suit that is very new. And I, I just discovered it and I love it. Mm. Now, I, on the other hand, Edgy, I would like to dress um, female politicians in the continent. Um, moving and sweeping across to the east... <laughs> East Africa, moving to the central, going a bit to the north, coming to the west, and then coming back to the south because there's something wrong with what's going on. I just feel like I know that politics is a heavy thing. I know it's a, it's quite mind boggling, but I'm just like, guys, please, can we, like, if I see one more person in that kitamba and that thing, they know who they are. I am going to fall over. But I really think that they could be more possessed. They could be more sass. They could be more of bringing up the girls out of these female um, politicians. Cause I feel like they're so lost and buried in their work. They even forgot to wear their skirt. But anyway, I would want to dress them. And then I think it's good. Um, for the rest of the week. Morag, who would you want to dress? This week, I'd like to dress Cara Delevingne. Um, I just think she is the hottest thing at the moment. Um, she has been, actually, for the past two years. Um, and, of course, I'd love to give her a fabulous face beat as well. She's absolutely beautiful. Fantastic. Anyway, it's been a beautiful week. I hope that you guys um, continue to pay attention as you tuned in to what uh, your body actually feeds on. Because your body is like you. Just think about what you eat when you're hungry and how it actually nourishes um, your, uh, your, 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 you know, your hunger. And then obviously you care about the health factor. And that's the same way we need to start consuming products. And just also remember that when it says 100%, well, when it says natural or organic, it doesn't mean, Jack, you need to go and unpack the details. And as much as our special guest today on the show, Zeze, mentioned that brands need to be responsible, I think that everyone needs to be responsible. Consumers, you need to be responsible. Find out what you're actually consuming. Peace and love. We are on www.fashionlabafrica.com. Until next week, peace. Cliffcentral.com.